Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of Nebraska Soccer Talk. I'm your host, Joe Cleary. Episode 23 is going to be the final episode of season one of Nebraska Soccer Talk. We're going to kind of cut this season and take a couple weeks off from the podcast, and we're going to end this season with our most popular content, of course, Nebraska high school soccer. So we're going to cover the state tournament. We're going to cover the season as a whole. We're going to talk about players of the year. And then you're going to get a little bit of freestyle conversation from Chase and I at the end about uh, Nebraska high school soccer, some of the things that are going on, some of the things that we hope to see get better in the future, and then where we hope to take the Nebraska Soccer Talk brand. Remember, keep following, subscribe, share, retweet all of our stuff. Um, be a supporter, please. Um, we appreciate any any support that we get. We appreciate all the kind comments. And then most importantly, remember, we're doing the senior showcase event. We are trying to showcase all the seniors who graduated, who played soccer, even and what they're doing next, whether they are playing soccer or not, whether they're playing in showcases or not this summer. DM us, email us, contact us. We want to know what your seniors are doing so we can celebrate everyone accordingly. Uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. This is another good episode, and let's get right into it. I am back for the final time with my co-host and partner at Nebraska Soccer Talk, Chase Hutchison. Uh, we are here to talk about the roundup for the high school season, the state tournament that was crazy and very welcome craziness back into our lives after missing it last year. And then we're going to talk about uh, where we see the future of Nebraska prep soccer going and also the future of Nebraska Soccer Talk. And like I said in the intro, before this, this is going to be the last episode of this season of Nebraska Soccer Talk podcast before we go on a couple weeks of hiatus, um, and then I bring it back with some new content. So, Chase, thanks for joining me again. It's been a busy few weeks. Absolutely. It was uh, it was a busy few weeks. It was awesome. It was, it was probably one of my favorite times of year, um, seeing all the people at Morrison Stadium, getting to see that high-level soccer. Um, it's kind of the week that Nebraska actually focuses on soccer and all the major outlets, uh, decide to give it some coverage. So, um, it was a hectic week. We were doing our best to keep track of it, but, uh, it, it was really, really enjoyable. Yeah. And let's, let's, so let's jump right into it of the hectic week. So we're at the state tournament. Um, we're not going to cover game by game. We're just going to go over generally what we saw and some of the, you know, interesting crazy good results some of the stories from the state tournament i guess um starting with the class a girls i don't know the the first round gave us some excitement with um obviously miller north upsetting lincoln southwest big big story um and then the lincoln east papio south game which made me put my uh shoe in my foot or shoe shoe in my uh mouth my foot in my mouth after saying that lincoln east wins score six goals and then they did so those are my those are my two first round things um but i think overshadowed by the six goals was um ally coming back ally napora coming back for papio south out of nowhere and like almost dragging her nowhere. team almost dragging her team to victory so. And you know what? And you know what? I really um, – and if Coach Watson, if you're listening to this, Coach Watson and I, I consider him to be a very close friend, a friend of mine, um, and he is the head coach over at Papio South with the girls. A heads up about that would have been much appreciated. Um, I don't know if it was like a last-second thing and they just decided to go for it, she gets cleared, any of that stuff. Um, but, yeah, we're getting tweets before the game, and like we, neither one of us was at, at that game um but we're getting tweets like hey are you guys changing your prediction uh now that starting lineups are out and we're like what are you talking you about <laughs> what 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 changed and then all of a sudden oh just uh the one of the top three players in the state is back and going to play right. um and she's going to do some fantastic things so um, no big no big deal a kid who's going to the huskers is back playing and i remember texting you i'm like did you know about this and, she, and you're like no zero I didn't. clue no so zero clue it was a welcome surprise. And it was, even though it ended in a loss, like a pretty cool moment for Allie to be able to go out and play 
after, you know, that devastating injury and, and seriously, almost, I, I mean, pushing Lincoln East to the brink. I mean, six, four, then obviously Millard North getting it done uh, against Lincoln Southwest uh, and then getting it done again against Marion. Uh, this, the St. Ahovisi show was in full effect uh, in the semifinal game. And then the Gretna Lincoln East game was a classic too. Um, you know, and then I guess getting into the final, um, I was there, I was at the semifinals and the final, I just, Millard North just looked like they just didn't quite have enough juice to get, uh, I mean, Gretna was just too much. I mean, it was a close game. Millard North scored to keep it close. You know, they're, they'll talk about this handball that happened down in the corner. Like, to be honest, I saw it. You've seen them called as handballs. Now, to say that's why you lost the game, I mean, you can't really blame it on that, on the on the one handball. So, but Miller North of a heck of a run. I mean, totally deserving to be Absolutely. in the state, to, deserving to be in the state tournament, and then then they made the absolute most of it. So, uh, well, that, that's like that's the like really cool thing about like postseason soccer and the way that we have it set up here. Like Miller North going in, like were we aware of Miller North? We absolutely were. They had top end talent, um, but as we progress throughout the season, they've caught, kind of fallen off our radar just a little bit because for some of the season, they're in there like barely floating around 500, but their program did a really great job of, hey, there's we have potential. We haven't found our style yet. We haven't, we're, I mean, they're mixing up and replacing their goalkeeper in the state tournament and like in, in, di- the, district in the districts. <laughs> And they're trying to figure out and they found the right recipe and that I, they caught fire at the right time. Um, they kept working at it and they go and they, they beat Gretna um, in my opinion. And they, they proved the number one, st- number one team in the state, they beat Gretna to even get to the state tournament, huge upset. I didn't think that was going to happen. And then you go and the next week you beat the number one seed Lincoln Southwest and you just get it rolling. And you, you're right. I mean, in the, in the state final, um, it's really hard, really, really hard to beat a team like Gretna twice, especially in that short of time span. Yeah. And, but they kept it close and two, one, um, it, and it, I, it honestly could have been, I mean, Gretna, Gretna had a really large majority of the chances. Like, yes. It, like if Gretna had the lost line, that, if Gretna had lost that game, different. they would have, uh, uh, if Gretna had lost that game, they would have very much, uh, they very much would have rude that. Um, yeah. I did but. find it interesting, like, and it, you talked about the handball, and it's 2-1, and it, it, it could be, like, right there. Um, and the fact that it was so close is why that handball and that controversy is such a big deal. I did find it interesting that Coach Hawkins, in his, like, post-game um, interview, mentioned that he was trying to get as many players in as possible. Uh, like, it's 2-0. It's, you know, you're only up 2-0 <laughs> yeah. in the final. I don't know if I, that's the time to be no. putting the freshman in, but I, it, it I, worked I, out. It worked I, out. I noticed that too. Like he was, he was rotating pretty heavily. And I was like, Oh, I mean, like, it's not, I mean, it's not out of the woods yet, but you know, they got it done and full credit to Gretna, yep. full credit to, to, to some of their top players who we're going to talk about here shortly, but let's move on to the boys. I thought the boys, like the boys tournament was closer. It was tighter. I don't think we really saw, you know, other than the Creighton prep Millard South game, which was a great opening game. And like, honestly, I was like, Millard South is going to somehow pull this off um to keep the run going but they honestly fell short and i was kind of bummed for them but a good run nonetheless um but it wasn't you know other than that game it was lacking of drama a little bit um until i don't the, know if there was any, there was only there weren't any like big surprises like yeah. you said like it, it was a little bit and there, it was competitive all the way through but the teams that we yeah. felt would win were there and there wasn't any like late, late drama or anything too dramatic until the, <laughs> the championship game, which was like, sometimes we talk about championship games being like really tight affairs because teams are nervous and like mm-hmm. there's, you know, 6,000 people at the stadium, but that game, like you're going to want to rewatch that game. Cause that was excellent it, f- from a neutral point of view. It had everything. It had absolutely everything you could want. It had controversy it had late goals. It had a red card. It had penalty kicks. It had some of the best players in the state playing their best soccer in their best moments. Um, 
you know, I think the one thing I do want to touch on is, is there was on social media, a lot of criticism of the, of the referee and, and I'll like, I know that referee, uh, he refereed a lot of Wayne state games. Um, and those of you who know me as a coach, know I'm not a referee apologist by any means, but I honestly didn't think the game was called that poorly. I thought it was, I didn't think so. I thought like, and I'm saying this from a complete neutral standpoint. And, and this is someone who I picked Omaha South to win and chase picked Lincoln Southwest to win. So neither of us are saying like, I thought, I thought both players, I thought, I thought there was some, there was extra, there was physicalness. There was, did some players go down easy? Yeah. On both teams. Um, was the penalty kick. I mean, like they, you know, they, they called like someone said, Oh, the, the foul that Eli Rhodes scored the free kick on was a phantom foul or a soft foul. Well, you know, the, the penalty kick, I, I've seen a lot of those in Nebraska high school soccer, not mm-hmm. called. So, um, you know, and I think obviously the controversy with the red card, like, unfortunately, you know, like I, I, th- I actually, I thought coach Moss did a great job when he answered that question. He said, you know, the referees told us no taunting and, you know, Wawa made a mistake and thankfully it didn't come back, you know, to, to, to bite Omaha South in the mm-hmm. butt, but, uh, but what a game. I mean, and, and I know it was a losing effort, but that Eli Rhodes free kick, I'll, I won't forget that. That no, <laughs> that's I. It. I was at I was at home. I was watching on TV, and and I'm not joking. I was watching with my wife. I jumped off the couch like I I did, and I yelled at the TV. And it was it was a great kick. And to your point about the fouls, like you see those called all the time. And if that would have been if that would have been the one instance that game where that type of foul was called. Yeah, maybe there's something to talk about talk about there. But I felt like the game was called consistent. Like it yeah. the players the, the uh, yeah, players knew what type of game yep. this was and what the referee was calling. And it wasn't, it was it felt like it was very much balanced for both sides. They were both getting their chances. They were both playing into it a little bit. Um, I think the red card did ruffle some feathers a little bit. They didn't show that on TV. Um so it's but hard, the descript- it's hard but this description, yeah, the description, yeah, the description was good yep. enough. And you can't do that. You can't do that. You can yeah. celebrate with your team. You can you can live in that moment. But as soon as you start going after the other team, that's when it be. You got to keep your head, and you can't. Um, the referee gets to have some discretion, and they they are the ones that make the choices. Don't put yourself in the position to um, be dependent on the referee. Just and, and don't I, do it. And I do want to say this though. Shout out David Rojas from Omaha South because I said you were going to be a player of the game over a lot of your other more exciting teammates at times, and you scored a goal. <laughs> he scored the opener on that <laughs> corner kick. So for as many dumb things as I say on this podcast and wrong things, we get I it right every once in a while. Right. Yep. Um, but honestly, what a final! I mean, yes, and more than just the drama, um, the scenes at Morrison absolutely beautiful to see um after after a really tough year and a cancellation of last year to see that stadium full to see the passion to see the numbers to hear the crowd um to even just feel the energy which you could coming from the tv to feel the energy of that game from the players the coaches and the spectators it was really really beautiful um to see and the game lived up to that moment And so it was just, it was a perfect evening. Everything came together to show the best side of Nebraska soccer. Um, And I don't know, I'm sure next season when we go to the final, we'll be saying the same stuff, (laughs) but um, that Lincoln Southwest Omaha South game left me with a certain type of feeling. It made me really proud to be a part of Nebraska soccer and to cover it a little bit. Um, It was just all around a, a great game. Yeah. And so with that, let's move to class B. Class B girls, um, we got the teams we wanted to in the final, and Norris gave it everything they got. Um, I think the stories, the cool stories of Class B girls have to be Norris and, and Lincoln Lutheran winning their first state tournament games. Obviously, Norris running all the way to the end, all the way to the end undefeated, and then giving Scott like probably their best class, everything, probably their best Class B game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Scott girls deservedly champions, good team. Um, great players on that team. Um, yeah, I think th- as far as class B girls, that's kind of like, I don't have a ton to talk about there. I just think the Norris 
I thought Norris and Duchenne game was good. That was a really exciting game, that semifinal. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, the I games, think, uh, the game, and the Lincoln Lutheran run was cool, uh, but uh, unfortunately, like a lot of the other games, I guess they didn't they didn't really catch me by surprise yeah. or, or intrigue me too much. Yeah, I mean, when you got Omaha Scott winning uh, the ter- first two games seven to one, there's not you know there's there's not a lot of drama there. Um, I will say Columbus Scotus Lincoln Lutheran Raymond Central that was a really good first round game. Yeah, I am I'm high on. Columbus Scotus going into next season, um, well, mainly Br- because Brzezinski's back. Yeah, she's a sophomore, so we got her for two more yeah, years. Yeah. Um, so if you guys don't know Libby uh, Brzezinski, she's the coach's daughter. Tremendous goal scorer. I think she had thirty goals this year. She's a sophomore. Um, she's going to be a big name to know. Yeah. yeah so I'm excited have, to see them. Sometimes you have to be worried about the coaches son or daughter like getting favoritism but like there isn't really nope. a question yeah. here like libby's really yeah. good so she's um, really really good and then <laughs> and yeah, she's, norris, she'll be fun to watch for the next couple of years and then norris norris is a cool story obviously they have a lot of soccer talent but then they just have some pure athletes i mean like yes molly, Ram- molly ramsey like what a senior year had she won the state championship that'd have been just ridiculous um mm-hmm. and like i was texting uh i was texting scott Kneifel, the wayne state volleyball coach about her because i don't know how good of a volleyball player she is and he's like oh yeah she's a stud and like she's just a great person um so we'll talk about molly in a little bit though um let's let's uh go to class b boys where scott completes the double they win they win the state championship for boys we got the two teams we wanted to see there too lexington scott we thought lexington would give scott the best game which is why we wanted to see them in the championship Mm -hmm. um but you had a story you wanted to talk. There's one story in particular. Obviously, Platteview making it was the story going in. But like, what was the what was the story, or who's the team to watch going forward for you? So, I mean, there's a Class B boys is really intriguing to me all year all year long. And um, you know, the state tournament I thought on their end was a really fun thing to watch. Lexington and South Sioux City. Um, that was a really good first round game. That was a game. Um, those are two teams that I identified um, before the season as like. Hey, I think this would be a really fun, like obviously Omaha Scott's going to be in the discussion, but if somehow these two teams end up in the state final, I think those would be the best two teams style-wise to go after each other and put on a show. Um, but we got them in the first round and Lexington was able to get out of there. Um, they, they won 2-0. Moving forward, um, people really looking at the teams that made it, Bennington um, is a team that yep. I think is going to be very, very successful in the future. Um, they have two of the highest scores, Oliver Benson and Kai Albright. Um, hopefully I'm saying his name right. But they are both, one's a junior and one's a sophomore. And they're both combining for tons of goals, um, tremendous goal scores that they got there. So they're going to have a shot next season. And they I got really some, like they the got some good ex- And they got some good experience this year too, regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, not yes. going as far as maybe they wanted to or any team wants to. No team wants to yeah. not win the state championship I mean, once you're there. They only, it's hard to say this, but they only lost to Omaha Scott three, one, you know, like they, yeah. they gave them a run. They didn't, yeah. they didn't uh, roll over there. So, I, I mean, I don't think I, bowl, I like them. I thought the Scott girls were probably more dominant throughout the season than the Scott boys. Like the yeah, Scott boys. I, uh, yeah. had, I mean, but more, that's more down to like the Scott boys didn't quite have the goal scorer that um, Scott girls had. Um, but so before we head to commercial, um, we're going to do a quick postseason recap, nothing too long. We're going to, we're going to talk first. We're going to do like our stories maybe of the year that we enjoyed. We've covered them a little bit already throughout the different podcasts, but we'll just revisit them. And then we'll, uh, we'll name our players of the year. Um, and so stories of the year, obviously out of the trailblazer conference, you have Beatrice and Platteview. Those were cool stories. I think Scott's dominance was a story of the year. Um, getting a double i mean that's yeah. it you know, it's only no been done how, like it's and, only been done like five or six other times so. yeah and you and there's gonna be and this is for a later podcast but you know maybe we talk about um you know or maybe we'll talk about today but like you know classifications and all that kind of stuff scut to get two champions in the same year that's very difficult in itself and i think that's impressive that that school has that much soccer talent that they can do that um, so I think that is a, a big story that we need to hit on. And then probably Norris girls, obviously, yeah. um, Lincoln just coming out, coming out of nowhere, those teams, it's nice to see 
as much as we all focus in the state on the Metro and Lincoln, it's nice to see a lot of new teams and new programs rise up and just get new faces and new stories to tell and to learn about. Honestly, that's my favorite thing is like learning about all these players. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't know Molly Ramsey like before the season. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. She's a volleyball player. Yeah. And so like, that's super cool to learn about these, um, these teams and these players. And it's nice to have something fresh. And I, I thought Lexington boys and girls both making the state tournament was cool. Um, and, you know, I think that just in general, it was a, a good year for soccer. I thought class A boys was fun because it was just a slug fest, like throughout the whole year, just teams beating other teams, you know? Yeah. There was Lincoln Southwest was a favorite and Omaha South was one loss, but like mm-hmm. we both went into it being like, well, they might not be the champ. Like neither of those could, teams could end up being the champion. So I mean, Omaha South is a red card from Millard West and like a couple other things, like a couple other small things in that first round game to not being the state champion. So mm-hmm. that shows you how t- tight class A boys was. Um, so that those are my stories of the year. I guess we want to jump into players of the year. I'm going to kind of let you take the lead because um, Chase kind of had a rundown of like a top three from each. So we'll, let's start with class A girls. Who are your top three from class A girls? All right. So number one, I would assume just about everyone in the state that watched soccer, heard about soccer or knows about soccer is going to, is going to choose this player. And that that's going to be Sarah Weber. Um, she, she was my number one and she was just dominant all season long, breaking records left and right, 48 goals, 29 assists, being an absolute monster in the middle for Gretna, the state champion. So she's kind of the number one, um, number two, and number three, I got Haley Peterson as the number two. Now, if you look at her stat line, um, she's kind of, she's down there with goals. She was out for a couple weeks. Um, and I would, I would, I'm interested to get your opinion on this, um, because you and I have had off the air discussions. I believe she was probably the second best player in the state, um, in terms of girls, uh, class a, uh, mm-hmm. she, she's, she's a legitimate, very good player. So I think Haley Peterson and had she been healthy the entire year, um, people would, not that people aren't talking about her, but she'd be um, higher up on people's radar. And then going outside the Metro, a player that we've talked about quite a bit, um, Gracie from North Platte, I have as my number three. Yeah, I, they, took, they took Marion to shootouts. Um, not a thing that North Platte, that, it, that that's common. Um, it's no. because she's such a talented player. So um, a little bit of North Platte representation. I love the player, love the story. Um, and she's deserving. So that that's my top three right there. But Sarah Weber um, takes the top spot. Yeah, and I, and I think we add in some other players. Um, <clears throat> like for me, Sarah's the top. And, um, you know, Lincoln East fans will disagree with me, and that's okay. That's your right. Um, but Sarah, if she has her junior year, might have had the – should have had the ch- chance to go down as the most dominant high school Soccer player stats wise in, in Omaha in Nebraska mm-hmm. history. I haven't been in Nebraska long enough to say like she's the best player ever because there's there's I mean there's some good professional women's players that that came out of Nebraska and some good non players that aren't playing in professionally yet that were dominant. So I'm not gonna make the claim that she was the most dominant, but like statistically she had that shot. Um and she's a really good player. Um I think other players in the discussion for me, like Kaylee Peterson, obviously good player came a carpenter was a really young player for Lincoln East. Um, but she did, she had a heck of a season, obviously Gracie Hanneborg. I think if uh, Allie Napora doesn't get injured, um, we're probably talking about her in the top three spot. Um, she's obviously a class player. Um, so for class A girls, I think like uh, there's, a, if you would pull the state and pull the, the soccer coaches and everyone, I think you'd get a pretty close to not, you wouldn't get a hundred percent, but you'd get a lot of people who would think that Sarah is the, who think that Sarah's the top player. And I don't, I'd agree yeah. with them um, over to class a boys. Um, Why don't you take this one? Let's see. Let's hear your opinion first on class a boys. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I don't have a top three, but I'll say this on the real football show. I said, Kevin Bessereau from Omaha South was my player of the year going to the state tournament, but it was close because there's a lot of good players um, for boys. Um, I'll be, he scored a penalty kick, but otherwise, like I watch and watching their games, he didn't have as big of a turnout. I mean, honestly, Edwin Cisneros was more uh, impactful than Kevin was. Um, K- 
Kevin Pistorro is still a good player. Um, but that really kind of, you know, shifted perspective in terms of, okay, who is, who is important when it mattered, mattered, mattered in the crunch time. Um, so Edwin Cisneros is honestly up there and I think he's only a junior, so he might be, he's going yeah, back. He'll be back. Yeah. He'll be back. Yep. Um, and, um, but for me, and then obviously Lincoln Southwest has some talented players. Gretna had some talented players. Um, Creighton Prep had some talented players, but for me, like Lincoln Southwest goalkeeper, uh, Nolan Fuelberth is, is my number one. And honestly, like watching that shootout, I thought, I thought he almost did where the goalkeeper makes it. And then he got so much of, I think it was David Rojas's penalty kick. Actually, he got so much of that penalty kick. I couldn't believe it went in. I couldn't no, believe it went he in. Like, he, he was dove too well. He was yeah. too quick um, on it, and it went off his shoulder and it angled in. I mean, it's if uh, he makes that save after scoring that penalty kick to win it, like pff, we're not, we're not. There's not even a debate. Like we're not saying like who's the best player. It's it's him, and we're not like we just move on. Yeah. But who are who yeah. are some of your players that you saw or that you liked so for this? you mentioned two of them already. Um, we're we're in pretty. Uh, you know, like-minded situation here. Nolan's my first one. Um, dominant goalkeeper going to Northern Illinois, D1 commit. We did have a discussion on Twitter. He's not, he's not the most, re- like Back it check. hasn't been, it hasn't been over a decade since we've had a goalkeeper go division one. We actually had a Twitter thread with, a, with like, there was like five or six. Going so to UNO, that, that and, UNO and Creighton. Creighton. Yeah. yeah. In these different places. So, I mean, I think the commentators got a bit carried away with that, um, but you know that's why we're here. He might have been the it might have been the first like maybe they misspoke because we'd have to look this up. He might have been the first yeah. D one goalkeeper to go outside of the state in like a decade. Maybe, maybe yeah, but maybe. I don't. Yeah. So, but yeah. So then I guess sorry, not to sidetrack us nope. too much, but yeah. No. Nope. Who, who, so who no one, to do no one, no one's first. Kevin, uh, like you mentioned, he's he was my number two. I went back and forth with those yeah. two quite a bit because you, you love Kevin's like goal scoring ability. But like you said, I didn't see it at the state tournament. And for me, Nolan Fuelworth was more impactful um, and, and more critical in those big moments. Um, you know, he, he kept Lincoln Southwest in that game. Well, I mean, Omaha South had some amazing chances and yeah, he was did. there. He had some amazing saves. Well, even on the PK against Wawa's PK, he got a big mm-hmm. piece of that on a yeah. PK that was going to the corner. Like, yep. uh, uh, I and mean, people don't understand how difficult that is. Like, and yeah. um, they just take it for granted when they see it. They're like, oh, yeah, you got a hand on it. You don't understand how hard it is to get that much of the ball that quickly. Um, and, and so I got no one third. Um, again, going outside the Metro, Javier Bade. Um, I like that's someone that. I, I've, I've been hyping him up all season. I think he's a special season. kind of talent. Um, he had over 20 goals this year. Um, he, he, without him, Grand Island doesn't make the state tournament. He had 22 goals, seven assists. He was a threat every time he got on the ball. He's only a junior, so we're going to see him again next year. Um, so he was my third um, for Class A boys. But Nolan Fuberth takes the top spot. All right. He, so he's only a junior, huh? He's only a junior. Okay. Who's who's the player from Grand Island who's a senior that's going – I thought he had a senior that was going to play college somewhere. Maybe I was mistaken. Yeah, they have, they, have a, they have a midfielder going to Dakota Wesley. Yeah, because him, him and Eli Rhodes are going to Dakota Wesley, and so they're yeah. getting some two good players. But, yeah, Javier Biden. I, I like that. I like that. Like And, like, Chase, that's what, the one thing I appreciate about Chase is – Chase was a soccer player from outside the Metro. So he makes sure to give the outside the Metro players some love. And that's important um, because it's important to their communities. Um, When they make state for soccer, that's a big deal. Um, So uh, let's get into class B girls. um, This one's fairly, I thought honestly more obvious than the class A girls. I think CC parents. Um, The one thing I'll Mm -hmm. say about CC is this, like, CC Barron's is a great player. Uh, is CC Barron's going to play forward for University of Nebraska Omaha? Probably not. Now I say that, and I watch Tim Walters is going to flip and play her at center forward next year for some reason and make me look dumb. 
but I don't think she's going to be a center forward. That being said, for not being a center forward, she scored a lot of goals. Like 39. Yeah. And uh, like a beast on set pieces. Like, and she'll be a beast on set pieces at the college level too, with how she goes after the ball yes. and her positioning and her heading technique. CC's a good player. She is the player of the year for me. I think the only other player that you can want to mention in the same breath is Molly Ramsey, just off of how her team did and the athleticism. What she meant, I mean, just what she meant to that to that team and, and kind of the story that they were this season, that alone, you know, stats definitely do matter. And we do look at that, but you have to look at the entire picture of the season and, and what teams kind of surprised you, um, what teams earned it, and who the catalysts were of those teams. And Molly Ramsey was the catalyst of Nor- Norse. And then she did back it up with stat line. I mean, 19 goals, six assists. Um, and she, I mean, just an athletic freak, um, all the way around. So she was just like you, she's my number two. She's the only one that really was up there to kind of be in the conversation, even though it really wasn't much of a conversation. Yeah. And I'm gonna put my number three forward because you said, like, we talked about goal scores, Uh, Jenna Hatovi, Hatovi. I don't know how to say her last, I didn't know how to say her last name. She's going to South Dakota state. She's from Scott. Yeah. Um, I told you. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, she's a defender from one of the best teams. And, and the reason they were so dominant was be- because it was really hard to get by her to score on, even if they, you know. Yes. So. And, it, and that's, that is one thing definitely next season. Like, I definitely want to do a better job of. And we, we had some commentary on this. Like, I do want to identify, and I feel like we did this a couple of times. I want to identify defenders and give them the love that they deserve. What you need to understand, it's so difficult on our side, especially because we're not at all of these games. Because we physically really can't notice. be. Yeah. So what we do is we go and we we can look at the storylines. We, we watch the highlights. We watch the film. We ask, we co- we ask Max- coaches. Yes. We ask opposing coaches. We ask uh, coaches of players who we should look we for. We look on max preps yep. and that kind of stuff. And at stats, there's not a, there's not a stat – for defenders like is there other than like, shutouts <laughs> yes and like you don't know who's responsible for that is that the goalie is that which defender is the most yeah. impactful there but Hatovi definitely she was a name that like we knew and she's going to be very very good she's solid back there my number three for class b girls madison smith from duchenne okay. um, i like she, that duchenne had a very good season this year and madison smith um was a was the the reason for that um 26 goals eight assists this year senior out of Deshen. going to play Uh, benedictine down in kansas yep so she she's my she's my number three um for this season yep all right over to class b boys um i think (laughs) class b boys is hard because it's funny we don't actually neither of us have our player of the year is is not from the state champion of scut um, and partially it was hard because Scott had so many seniors, so many talented seniors that I think mm-hmm. they, there wasn't that one that player, that, player. Like, that stood above the rest on their team. Cause it was, there was quality all over and they complemented each other and it scuts the boys felt more like a team achievement rather than an individual lifting up um, the rest. So it was really right. hard to identify like, one singular um standout so yeah it's i think mine's not from scott i think if you're gonna give it like you're gonna give it to i think myers was their center back right yeah you give it to john myers or zach weiss because like they were one of the most dominant defenses in like the history of nebraska class b boys soccer so maybe obviously i think giving them a shout out but for me like as far as difference maker I know he was injured, but I know what he's capable of. And we saw it a little bit as Junior Casillas out of Lexington. And Chase has the other Lexington standout as his player of the year. Yeah, so I have uh, Yaskar Galvin, um, the midfielder from Lexington. So two Lexington um, Minutemen um, at the top of our list. Junior, I, I totally get putting him at the top because I think he was probably the most talented Class B boys player. I really think he's going to do big things at Iowa Western. Um, and I think he, I think he has a shot probably at, you know, maybe a division one future with what Iowa Western is able to. Yeah. Um, the platform, that, the platform that Iowa Western has and the competition that he'll face in that yep. squad. He, I mean, 
it's a yeah. great platform for there's a lot of omaha kids going there i think that's the move man like, yeah if you're not getting the, if you're not getting the looks you like and i'm not saying that because i'm an iowa western employee i can't um i don't coach there so it's fine but i just think that's the move for, on the men's side if you don't if you don't Absolutely. know where you're for sure going um they can put you on a different kind of platform than yeah. probably anyone else in the state and yeah. like um they mentioned it in the uh, when they were talking in the game. Like he did have his knee scoped out. He wasn't one hundred percent during like the last the last half of the season. I had I had the pleasure of watching him when he was at his best or like healthy his healthiest. I watched him in the first game versus Papio South, and <laughs> you could tell from the very start like this kid this guy's for real. Um, the runs that he was making, he was given. I wrote this in my. Um, preview for the state tournament like he was so good that his coach basically told him go wherever you want um (laughs) we will we will fill in behind you if you need to make a sideline run make it if you need to um go advance forward and make a run up the middle do it whatever you need to do to get around the ball do it um and i think junior was able to do that because he had a teammate in galvin who could kind of cover um most of the midfield um so that's why i and, went with uh yaskar and, and yaskar has some i mean he played i mean he played one assist in the state cha- state tournament game i think it was, mm-hmm. was it the championship or the semifinal where he chipped it over like that i think it was in the in the semifinal he he like lifted the ball over on a chip pass and it was like whoa like yeah that was that was great yeah and, and like, he's he, also going to he's also yeah, going yeah, to Iowa he's Western, going to Western, I believe, so yep they got so, two good players and yeah so um what we have to look forward to next year i think um you know we have a lot of grad we have a lot of talented players graduating we have some young players who are coming back you know i don't want to get too deep into it because we're going to do a podcast yeah later we'll do a a separate podcast yeah later in 2021 um where we're going to go into like who's coming back who should we be looking out for um but we obviously have some coaching changes and there's going to be more coaching changes we have we have some coaches moving out of state. We have some coaches retiring. We have some coaches stepping down. So um, we'll cover that news in later podcasts too. We're not going to get too into it because there's some that aren't official yet or that we've heard rumors of. So, mm-hmm. um, and as much as like people want us to delve into rumors, listen, we know where some, I, I know where Gracie Hanneborg is thinking about committing because she told us, but that's not our news to break. Um, we're just not going to do it. That's a once in a lifetime thing. Like yep. she, she was nice enough to let us in on it. And like just by virtue of us being in the community of soccer, we hear things. Who knows? Like we might hear something today and it's completely different tomorrow. And it's also like I don't think that we got into this to be in the breaking news kind of business. We got in it to talk soccer. And so yeah, we'll it when it becomes official, we can talk about all those things and we can give our thoughts about it. Yep. And especially and like that's my last point before we get before we go to commercial break is uh, you know a lot of the things that we got wrong and some of the things we not a lot, but some of the things we got wrong or didn't talk about were based on injury or COVID status and stuff like that. And and honestly, like, I just don't feel right talking about player injuries until like the player or the school makes it public themselves. Um, It's not a pro team. It's not a pro team. team. They're they're under under 18 kids. kids. So like, we're not going to, that that's not what we're going to do as much as some people want that. Like, I'm sorry. Like if, if that's what you want, um, this ain't it. So, um, with that being said, we're excited about what we're going to get to do next year. And, but we'll, after commercial break, we're kind of talk about the future of prep soccer in Nebraska and the future of Nebraska soccer talk. So stay tuned. And welcome back to Nebraska soccer talk. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a freestyle conversation between Chase and I to talk about some of the topics that have come up in Nebraska soccer this year. Um, the first, uh, one we want to talk about that I'm really excited about because it's near and dear to my heart because of where I came from and played soccer. And that's junior high soccer, um, being organized by the schools and by these programs outside of the Metro area. Okay. In Omaha and Lincoln, there are the resources, there's the coaches, there's the money and the space to provide kids with club opportunities or rec opportunities. Uh, when they're younger in the junior high seasons, like in junior high, that's not the, that's not, and there's competition too. There's, you know, there's not, that's not 
the same can't be said for class B schools that are outside the metro, right? Therefore, some of these schools don't have kids entering soccer competitively, like at the high school, like representing their school. They obviously have some clubs, but they don't have high school soccer until they're freshmen. That leaves losing these kids to baseball and to track track as the two main sports. Cause I think golf's a fall sport. If I was, if I'm right. Um, so Um, yeah, yeah, baseball, baseball and track, right. Yeah. Baseball and track are the big ones. Baseball track or just off season sports for other things. Mm -hmm. So now I just love, love it. I love these schools and these coaches going the extra mile for their kids. Cause I'm sure that they're not making a lot of extra money doing this. No, doing it to try and grow their programs. There's no way the money that they are making equals the amount of effort and time that they're putting it. There's just no possible way that that's happening. But I'll tell you what, it's so cool. And and the reason I like it so much is because so in North Dakota, there was junior high soccer in, in our, in Bismarck in my city. And I loved it. You get to represent your school early and it matters and you get to play with your friends and you get to, you get that, you can get that big game feeling early and you create that sense of camaraderie early. And I will tell you this, I played at the smallest school that had soccer in North Dakota and having junior high soccer and creating that culture early, that made a difference that allowed us to compete with some of the bigger schools. Like that's an absolute fact. Um, so I'm excited to see the dividends that this pays. It's not going to pay dividends Absolutely. really, really quickly, but four years mm-hmm. from now, five years from now, six years from now, like if they can keep those programs rolling, that's going to be awesome. And I would encourage if any of there's, if there's any outside the Metro area teams that are starting junior high soccer or thinking about it, um, I, I reach out to me. I volunteer myself, like reach out to me if you need advice or ideas on how to start or and what to do. Um, cause I, I, I coached in that environment. I played in that environment. Uh, I think it's a really cool environment. I don't, but I don't think it's for the Metro. Obviously it doesn't make sense for the Metro. We don't, don't, they don't need it. They, they don't need it. Don't need it in the Metro. They have high level coaches. They have high level facilities coming they have, from they have where space, I come resources, from. money. Yes. Yeah. Come from where I come from, which is Norfolk, Norfolk, Nebraska. This is a, this is a huge development for an, an it's a sign of great progress for Nebraska soccer because in those communities like North Fork and Fremont, Columbus, Kearney, just go on and on with those. Like growing up, my soccer experience was three months in the summer. Like that's what we did before I got to high school. Like I would, I jumped on to my local club and we started once school got out and we went until July or August and then football happened in the fall. So we, we only got summer. And then, then, so and I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt you, Chase, but I just, I just do want to talk about this because I think it's important because people don't know your background. Chase originally had committed to going to school at Wayne state college to play football. Mm-hmm. So Chase, like you were a division two, you were a college level athlete that played football because, but like your true love was soccer, which we, we discovered when yeah. you and I were working at Wayne state, but like, I, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I just want to like make that point is if you had, you had junior high soccer and more exposure to the game. I mean, obviously this might not be happening because everything happens for a reason, but yeah, you might've been a college soccer player instead of a, a, a college football player. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, um, I would have, I would have appreciated these opportunities. I would have killed for these opportunities because you know what I did as much as I love soccer, middle school, junior high, it, when the springtime came around, I did track. Like I jumped, I did, I did long, I did long jump and high jump. That's what I did. (laughs) Did I ever want to do that in the future? No, but I wanted to participate. If there would have been a soccer option offered for me, it would have been no question. Like that's what I'm going to do. Um, And I, so I think this is huge. It's absolutely huge. It gets these kids in love with the game. It gives them more opportunities. um, And it also creates that, you know, kind of that pyramid for these high school programs where they can identify. Cause I think that's, that is a challenging thing for a lot of high school coaches um, in these areas. They don't know what they have until freshman year comes along. Um, they might have an idea of a couple of players that maybe they see them at a club tournament or something like that, or their like team camps. But to have that team structure is so huge for these programs. And I think you're right in five, six, seven years, 
we are going to see the dividends of it, especially if it increases throughout the state. Well, and you could start recruiting athletes to the sport earlier. You can yes. start recruiting instead of like, instead of being like, oh, that kid's really athletic. He's a really athletic basketball player. or She's a really athletic volleyball player. Let's try and get her to play soccer. Well, now you can introduce it at seventh grade and say, hey, it's not in season. Like come play, come try it. And at yeah. the worst, they don't like it fine but at least they had the chance so mm-hmm. i'm excited about it i don't want to spend too much time about it but like if, if you need any advice or, or anything like reach out to both of us we have ideas I, I i've been in that environment so i get it um a little bit more like controversial stuff i think and that's what sells baby yeah the controversy so everyone wants us to talk about scott being class a instead of class b and i'm fine we can have that discussion but I promise you that that is not the reason that uh, our the the some of the setbacks in in high school soccer and some of the issues in high school soccer. Um, I think what we need to address more, and we'll get to the classification thing and how that could possibly be fixed, and we'll do it short. We won't go too in depth. But listen, if you're more worried about Scut being Class A or Class B than players playing four or five games in a week, that's a problem. Um, if you're more worried about a team being class A or class B than some of these public school OPS teams, uh, you know, not scoring a single goal all year and give it having the like, games that they do play the, the games that they can actually feel the team and they don't forfeit. I mean, you, yeah. you look on the schedule, so like, the, the games they are playing, it's 10 zero. So like, don't, don't call until you're willing to address those issues. Yeah, of player safety and player health and player experience and the number of games people are like well the players love games yeah but the players don't love getting hurt like the players don't love the games not meaning anything because they play four of them um and 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 if you're just gonna be like ah well those teams like it's 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 not our fault that those teams are bad you're right if it's you not, want if you, it's if not, you it's, want it's, yeah it's not your fault but if you want the game to grow, you have to grow it at all levels. You can't just grow it at the top end. Yes, absolutely. And that's something that has been the narrative for forever, not only in Nebraska, but in United States soccer. We have to get into these communities. We have to get into these new areas where these athletes are, where, where there is potential. And right now, there is nothing will ever happen at these Omaha Norse when because how as a coach, how do you tell, how do you get people to join your program? How do you paint a picture where they can enjoy the sport when you're either forfeiting or you, you know, you, you're not putting an enjoyable experience out there. That's definitely the bigger issue. We, like you said, we're going to get into and, the class. And, 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 and again, that's the bigger thing. And again, like we have to make sure that as adults, that you don't blame the players for this stuff. Like mm-hmm. they're like, well, you get you see adult there's people mad on social media about teams scoring so many goals against the team right well like that's not the kids fault they're just put on the field they're told what to do um so i think there's a couple quick solutions to this is you can allow the some of these lower level varsity teams um mix it up and let them play some jv jv teams in their schedule um i think athletic directors have to do a better job working with their coaches in creating schedules um, you know, create a, create a pool where they, like, you know, there's a million tournaments a year. There's the Metro, there's, you know, all these different tournaments that they have during the season. How about we create a tournament for these teams that need something to build on and need to, um, have balanced play well, and then, give them a I, chance. I mean, the invitationals do that a little bit. Cause at least the school, like, at least that's where the coaches have a little bit of control and they yeah. can invite the teams. And then like, there's competitive games in those invitationals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. that's where you see like, Omaha Benson score some goals, win some games um, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think like if you're more worried about the classification of, of Scott, like, okay, so you move Scott to class A. You still don't fix the schedule crunch problem and the lopsided score lines, which are bigger issues in my mind. Um, and also like in terms of the classification, I don't think there's an easy fix. Um, I don't think you, I love, you know, everyone in the soccer world wants to talk about promotion relegation that's great until you graduate 12 seniors and you're not very good and then you get relegated and then, but then you have another, but then your class was just young. So then you, you just like spend all this time bouncing back and forth. And like, Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't think there's a system that work. I think 
I don't, I think this is, this is going to just be a shot in the dark and, and it's, it's probably wrong. But my opinion is, is you, you just, you either create a third class or you don't classify the teams until a certain part of the season. And then based on PowerPoints, then you classify them. And I mean, then you have to worry about team sandbagging and teams having a harder schedule at the front. I just don't know. I don't, but I think like, or you don't classify the teams at all until the state tournament. And then you do the top eight in PowerPoints. You're the A top next eight. You're the B next eight. You're the C. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah. I think, I think another thing I've seen thrown around and I, I think it might work, but to your point about like the 12 seniors in one classifying them, not based on their school body numbers, but on their actual sport participation might be a way to do it. That's a, Um, I think that's, I think that's a good way to do it too. Because that, that is to me a valid argument because the, the, I think a lot of people that want to argue about classification don't truly understand, and, and me included. I don't know all the details of it, but I do know like Omaha Scud, if they were to go class A, would be in terms of student body, would be significantly um, smaller than anyone else in class A. But the reason that they're able to compete is because they they artificially keep those not like Omaha Scott can choose who they want to come to that school. And um, it's also just kind of built into their culture that, hey, you do participate in activities. So even yeah, though they have they have good part, they have good participation. Body, that's the that's the key thing is they have good participation yes. percentage wise. So maybe we can work in a system. And I know that NSA has been working on this for a while and it's been thrown out there where based on your last three or four or five years results you get a certain placement because of that state championships count for a certain number of points wins count for a certain number of points i think the easiest solution is maybe to go by participation numbers um, and to look you know the top 28 schools in the state that have the most soccer people on their roster then they're in class a but just like the let's take this to college football playoff Right. Just like that's not a perfect system. The doing it by doing it by participation numbers isn't going to be the perfect system because, you know, what's going to happen then Omaha Scott's going to cut 15 players so that they can be in class B or like that's what's going to happen. And and they might not be the only culprits that do that. No, they would. I I was just an example because they are the private. Right, 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 right. That would absolutely happen everywhere. And no, it's going to get manipulated. And we don't want to see it. And we don't want to see that. So uh, again, I don't want to get spend too much time on classification because I honestly think it's a it's a moot point. I think that yes, until we adjust until we adjust the schedule crunch and the number of games that we play. And the lopsided score lines that happen until we address that, then classification like that's such a mind it, that classification yeah. affects like one to maybe it's three or four. Like, yeah, <laughs> it affects like three it's or four teams, right? It's like okay, if Scott's not playing, then someone else can be the champion, but then other teams are still getting their butts kicked 10-0. Yeah. So like that yeah. for me, that's there's right. bigger, bigger fish to fry. But on the last point about classification, I would I mean for people that are upset about it, and I do get it, especially if you're in class B, I I get it a little bit, but here's the reality of it. As I see it, Norris girls, a team that no one knew about coming in, including us, no one expected this from Norris. They took Omaha Scott to two, one in the class, in the, in the finals, Lexington, a central Nebraska team takes Scott three, one in the finals and pushes them. Like if, if Omaha Scott was winning 10, zero in the finals, maybe it's a different discussion yeah. right but there there is the chance to beat them. like there is the I, chance joke, to beat them. I, I joked about that in our state tournament preview i was like well then if they lose then we don't have to talk about reclassification yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so that's our last point um honestly i'd rather see the schedule change and not the score lines change versus the and like people will say well if you reclassify cut the score lines would change no because the worst some of the worst score lines were in class a where you can't change the classification. So mm-hmm. that's something that needs to be. So like, I think participation numbers are, are a good route to go and they should look at that. Um, the NSA could, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's not a They've been, solution. They, they hear the same things. Yep, they, they hear the, the same, same things, things as we do. And, and I'm sure there's people that care about it, but it's such a complicated, and it's going to be, a, I, I mean, we get to talk about it they are the ones making the choices and have to live with them. And like, it's so complicated. Yep. So um, we hear you. We just don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to just head right into the final. This is a quick wrap up future of Nebraska soccer talk and prep soccer and our plans for prep soccer. So uh, in prep soccer next year, we're planning on doing a few like 
we're going to go all high school all the time. Cause this year we had a college mixed in. We had some other stuff. I was learning how to do the podcast. Chase and I were learning how to do the website and the social media properly. All Which is way more difficult than I ever thought would have, would be like the podcast yeah. and the website. There's such a learning curve. I found all but, high school, all high school, yes. all the time in the spring. It's going to be awesome. We're going to do, we're going to try and do weekly awards. So that's going to be player of the week, team of the week. We're going to try and do a game of the week. Kind of like Mike Sauter did when Nebraska preps, except mm-hmm. it's only going to be soccer, obviously. Um, don't worry. We're not going to start tweeting about AAU basketball. <laughs> so um, we'll He's do got goal- that covered. He's we'll, got do, that covered. we'll do goals and saves of the week too, but we're just going to need teams help. Cause like, I'm not going to scour through everyone's huddle, nor do I have access to everyone's huddle. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if you're a high school team and you don't have huddle, get huddle or get something that like YouTube that you can share your highlights with us. Cause we'll definitely, Hey, we'll pick a goal of the week. Um, we're going to do my plan is for coach interviews. So please coaches, if you're listening to this, be on the lookout, I'm going to be sending an email and I'm also going to be posting a Google form on social media um, to set up coaching interviews. I have two weeks off over Christmas. I know a lot of coaches do because they're teachers, but either way, I have a little bit more flexibility. I'm going to knock out a ton of preseason coach interviews over the winter. And we're going to be releasing those throughout the, the, the week. Um, and most importantly, Chase and I know that we have to apply for press credentials and the fall yeah. yes so october gonna, october so we're gonna do which that we weren't we weren't even created in october yep. so. so we're gonna we're gonna do that we're gonna have so which will give us better in-game coverage which is just gonna be awesome um we're also getting some more technology um that'll help us with even like maybe post-game interviews so some exciting stuff to come for that so that's kind of it chase thanks for joining me again high school season was fun um as far as what we're going to be looking for as far as soccer coverage going forward it's going to be, we're going to cover some of the club teams that are having success, you know, that are going to Midwest regionals and some national events this, this summer. Uh, otherwise we're not going to dive too deep into club. There's a lot of reasons for that, that we won't get into here, but if you, if you want to ask us, we're, we're more than help, happy to share that via direct message or email. Um, but then obviously when state cup comes around in the fall, we'll cover that college. We're going to cover that in the fall. Um, but this, after this couple week break from the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm going to be releasing some podcast episodes with some new guests that are, some will be related to Nebraska, but some will just be good informational guests that Nebraska soccer people will want to tune into. So Chase, yeah. thank you again. And thank you for all the work you do on our social media and website. Um, you know, all those, like, I'll tell you this, everyone listening, in case you don't scroll to the bottom to see who the author is or read at the top, Chase authors 95% of the articles. Now he asked for my input, but like, as far as writing and posting chase and his wife <laughs> help, yeah. help edit and post the articles. And I think like that has like, so we appreciate all the love that you, you send our way and the coverage mm-hmm. that you like. Um, but Chase, thank you for all the work that you do. And, and I'm excited to keep uh, working on this going forward. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an amazing, and I got to thank you for your, you know, when I, when we first started talking about this idea, we didn't really know where, where we we're going to take it. And the podcast side of this is um, it's grown and it's uh, it's way more professional than I ever thought we'd be able to make it and all, all the stuff with that. Um, no, it's been an amazing first year. We learned a lot. Now I do want to say like, and pe- like, again, this isn't our full-time job, right? Like this is not what we do. You moved jobs this year. This was my first year of teaching we both moved houses slash apartments. Like we like, we're just all over the place. The, the first season of this podcast made $50 total. So we made about $2 an episode, which is. Yep. And I think we're probably about the same on the, uh, on the website. So, so we're, we're not like making money. Article. We're not making money off this. And I think like, I think we might've been in a loss between like tickets and going well, the to the state. Tournament, I lost stuff, money on the state. I, I lost money yeah. on my state tournament tickets, so. but it was worth, I mean, it was, yeah. worth, it was such a great first year. And um, our goal this year for the first year was kind of name recognition and also getting, um, you know, a community formed. And especially on Twitter, the fact that we surpassed 2000 people um, on that, I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was way more than I ever thought we'd get. Um, to your point about club, we're going to cover stuff on club, but it's the club aspect of Nebraska soccer is so much bigger and so much more chaotic than the structured season of high school. And you and I both coach club. Yep. So, so we're, I, we, yeah. we, we have a team. Yeah. Full transparency. Chase coaches for Alcorn soccer club. I'm going to coach for probably Gretna elite Academy. That hasn't been officially announced yet, but 
or which team I'm going to coach. So that's allegedly who I'm going to coach for. Um, but here's the thing you want, you want us to talk about your club. You want us to advertise for you as a club, tag us in social media. We'll retweet about mm-hmm. your tryouts. We'll retweet when your teams win at tournaments. But if you want us to talk about your club on the podcast specifically as club wide, email us, DM us. We're open and looking for advertisers. So if you want to advertise, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can, you can. <laughs> we're we're open for business. So if you want to advertise on our website, if you want to advertise on the podcast and talk, and we'll, I'll, I'll plug your, I'll plug your club every day. <laughs> so. But we're not going to do, we're not going to, and Chase is going to do club overviews on every club and, and get information from directors and stuff like that. So be on the lookout for that, but we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to do what we did for high school soccer with club. It's just, impossible. it's just, yeah, it's just impossible with, with the way that club soccer is structured. And then you and I are, are so, yep. so busy with stuff, but one last thing before we sign off, we do, I do want to tease a little bit. We have been, we hopefully We'll have some big news coming um, very, very soon. Stuff that we're very excited about. Stuff that I never thought would ever happen uh, with Nebraska Soccer Talk. Some great things. You know who it's going to benefit? It's all going to benefit our followers, the listeners, our Nebraska Soccer Talk community. Because you guys are going to be getting some pretty cool things. um, And it's going to be free for you. So um, there's a lot of great things coming around the corner. Haven't finalized those things yet but it's looking like it's in the right direction. We got some cool partnerships in the work works all the way from the top, top level of the game and down. So thank you for listening. And this was our final episode of this season of Nebraska soccer talk. uh, And we will see you in a few weeks.